All right, so we have a new show sponsor, which is Live to Fight Design. Uh, the owner is Sean Clemens, who I'll be putting up a show with later on here. And, uh, you know, I, I like to uh, have a sponsor that has something to do with fighting. I know a lot of shows sponsor a lot of weird stuff that has nothing to do with the industry. So I'm proud to have a, a sponsor that's involved. And uh, Live to Fight Design makes uh, fight banners and gym banners for MMA gyms. So you can find them on Instagram at Live to Fight Design. And I have a promo code, which is my name, Todd Atkins. You can get 20% off your order if you order through my promo code. And uh, you can also find them at livetofightdesign.com. So uh, if there's anybody out there, any fighters or gym owners that are looking to uh, get a banner made, check out at livetofightdesign on Instagram or livetofightdesign.com. And as always, check out the next episode. All right, so this is Todd Atkins and Miguel Adorati, and we, we just had to come back another day because of this UFC, WWE, Endeavor, you know, kind of, they don't want to call it a merger, but it feels like it, and so we're going to talk about that today, and before we start, again, I want to thank our new sponsor, Live to Fight Design. You can find them on Instagram at Live to Fight Design. They make fight banners and gym banners, and we have a promo code which is my name, Todd Atkins. You can get 20% off your order at Live to Fight Design. And uh, Miguel, I kind of want to just let you jump right into this. You know, UFC, WWE, Endeavor. Let's hear it. Oh, well, like I mentioned to you, you know, some of Dana's behavior where he seems to be bored by the UFC, you know, and he's off doing other things and things. I think some of that's explained by this, and that is that I think this is one of those moments that it'll be like, before and after, you know, before the UFC and WWE were together and after. Um, I've heard a few experts um, check in and say that we won't really feel the effects of it for about a year or two years or whatever, but it'll be a before and after. It's a big, big deal in terms of business. Um, they are pushing other sports and things and, and the envelope on delivery as well. So um, I think it's a big deal in, in, in uh, the entertainment industry and across a lot of fields. And that could explain to you why, you know, Dana's been coy with people, you know, because he knew something this big was happening. And, uh, you know, people will almost forget and forgive everything before that. But, uh, well, I want to ask you on that topic, because, you know, he had kind of been downplaying the UFC and haven't been that excited since like 2008 power slaps more exciting for me was he trying to talk this down because he knew there was something no, I, big I coming for the ufc or, or was he being honest he definitely, knew. he definitely knew i don't know what his strategy was playing it the way he did you know but i obviously everybody on on both sides decided to keep it hush hush and they did a, a tremendous job because i don't think you know, people in pro wrestling knew about it and, and, you know, the UFC manages their media very well anyway. So, but even the dirt sheets and stuff, I don't think knew about it, um, you know, on the pro wrestling end. So um, they did a great job there. And that's, you know, the sort of thing that I think now we're going to, now we'll see how, how this plays out. And it's going to be a year or two before we see that. Um, we'll see how if Dana's behavior changes. But I think Dana, you know, has reason to be excited again. I think that this opens a gate. Um, you know, if, if they're playing 
you know, chess and they're a few steps ahead of their opponents, you know, this brings to mind a few other things that they could do. Um, my imagination here runs wild with the WWE and the UFC um, making a, a network together, you know, that they could definitely have high quality content. You know, both of them run short on content with their own libraries, but combined it becomes a very powerful library. You can almost fill 24 hours and seven days a week, you know, not that it leave it, you know, so you can online, you can check the fights and stuff, but they, they can't show 24 seven, not new material. They're promising new content as well. You know, and I think that's one of the big things you know, that, that they'll deliver it all in their network. And what becomes interesting is because they have now 20 something billion dollars in value. You know, what is something like Top Rank or Don King? Let's just focus on those two. Will both of, will each of those take $2 billion each for their libraries? Because if you do, you know, you talk, maybe if you, since you've got it and you want, maybe you want to spend $6 billion bucks, throw Golden Boy and Oscar De La Hoya in there. And now you've amassed enough of a boxing library that it will cut, you know, Top Rank and Bob Arum is Muhammad Ali. So, if they could deliver boxing, wrestling, and MMA, they've just taken over all of combat sports. You know, you have guys like Flow Wrestling, and, you know, there's a lot of examples of that, where they had this idea first, which is get content from all over the place and show, you know, as much of it as possible. And, and um, you know, if it's a combat sport, if it's, you know, grappling-related, they'll show it. Well, now, you know... If they had a buy, if they if they go in and buy, you know, one of the boxing or some of the boxing libraries that would complement what they already have, almost all the other combat sports become marginal, and like slow wrestling would sell for pennies on the dollar, probably, because at the end of the day, the UFC could say, yeah, well, we actually we don't need your library, because they don't. They have, you know, the WWE's library, their own, and the you know a potential boxing library in, in you know in, in the end of things dana's never said he's not doing something in boxing he's always hinted always you know never let it die and you know this is a big move with the wwe it's unexpected i wouldn't be surprised if there was more to this yeah you know now that you mentioned this you're talking about the library but i'm thinking you know dana said he wants to get into boxing maybe they buy one or two entities and change the name you know combine i don't know golden boy and you know top rank or something i'm not saying there'll be those two but they could make their own stable by buying yeah, two bob, yeah, if they bought <laughs> contracts and things like that they would move right in. If you, bob Aram and top rank is probably the best choice he's, he's pushing 90 um and uh you know who knows what top rank would be valued at like i said that's the muhammad ali library now so, you know it, it goes far that far back and uh you know who knows what else is in there at this point the, you know bob aram is all the roberto duran sugar ray leonard uh you know uh all that stuff uh so that's the that's the part that fills up a network and i think the network is the first step that we'll see that they'll be delivering the product on the same network. You know, the fees will start to be the same, you know, 50 bucks a month and you get both, you know, both access to both libraries, crap like that. Access to a third library in boxing or whatever, if, if it plays out that way. But I think that the boxing idea, you know, 
once I heard it, it was a natural connection for me. I can't imagine that Dana didn't at some point at least think of it. So I, I think that there's, um, you know, a possibility that this is like the first step. And that would make it, it's still not a good thing, I don't think. You know, that's the other part of it. It's like everybody thinks like this is going to be a good thing. It's like I'm not sure for as a sport purist this is good at all. I, I, I think it's the powers that be blurring the lines. Okay? Me, I think I can tell the difference between a, a fake match and a pro match. But I'm sure I haven't caught them all. Very few people, you know, this has been going on throughout the history of all this stuff. And there are very few experts. And that's what they're doing is they projected it so that people can't really tell the difference. People really don't know the difference between a, a real fight, a fake fight, a WWE, this, that, or the other thing, in the general public. They think they do because, you know, now UFC's out there and they train UFC or whatever it is and stuff. But at the end of the day, this is the company's thinking, these are enough the same that we should exploit the audience you know, for more money. And that's that's how I see it. You know, the the answer of who's the toughest guy in the world, which is, the, I think, the source of all of this is the question everybody needs an answer to gener generationally. You know, I think that that becomes blurred because, you know, the WWE would put forth Brock Lesnar as that guy, you know, or Roman Reigns or whoever their top star is at that point. And that, you know, Lesnar at least competed in something that we all saw and was very public. Reigns has no business in that discussion. But the WWE could create that situation. You know? And I think that the UFC will probably put their, their fighters to work doing promotion and stuff, like positives, like maybe big guys showing up at WWE, you know, guys, and, and affirming each other as tough guys. And even that, that's just, that's kind of like starting to fool people. I'm not saying that the, the WWE guys are not tough guys and they're not at the top where they are now by not only being tough, but by having the mental focus and being really strong, you know, the, especially the ones that avoid addictions and things like that. And you could tell, like, you know, John Cena going to be successful anywhere, right? So if he had trained MMA, but that's the, the part of it is, is you start these crossovers and things. And even in WWE, you know, there are training centers for that stuff. And guys pay their dues for a couple years, you know, working and then coming up in the NXT and things like that. You know, I've talked about it at length with you in boxing. In boxing, there's a dues paying that like the Paul brothers avoid, you know, and the WWE, the UFC, you know, with Cyril Gane, uh, uh, Cody Garbrandt, you know, they've rushed guys. They've rushed guys that didn't exactly pay the dues. And in the WWE format, those guys did get exposed eventually. You know, and um, they're going to blur the lines. And that that's what I don't like about it. Um, you know, I, I think... Uh, there's a reality base to sport that, you know, you can't leave too much to the imagination. You're going to see it eventually, you know, and that's how sport is. And if it doesn't go the way of the script, 
You're supposed to be able to react either way, you know? And, uh, you know, they like to manage the script, manage the stars and, and make the money, you know, by the bucket load for themselves. Because, you know, the WWE guys aren't hugely paid either. They, they you know, some of them might make a million dollars a year, but they also work, you know, some of them may work 200 days a week, uh, 200 days a year too, you know? And, and with the bumps and stuff, you know, it's a, it's a, you could argue that both of these guys are underpaid feeding a couple of billionaires, both of, both of the, these rosters rather. So add to that boxing and you might have a very, you know, group of disgruntled athletes there that are watching millionaires, you know, make other billionaires because 21, $21 billion, you know, Francis and Don was looking, looking for work. They wouldn't give him, you know, anything. It's kind of bad, you know. So yeah, I, I don't see it as a good thing in the long run. Um, you know, we could go into history too. I want to ask you something I was just thinking about. What do you think? I mean, you're Dana White, you're the UFC, you've built this up on, you know, being a legitimate sport, and it is. Do you think they were on board with this or maybe not? Or is this the first sign of Endeavor kind of saying, okay, we're going to do something we want to do. We're going to start acquiring some things. Yeah, I, I don't know whose idea it was, but I don't think that Dana would be against it. You know, and, and if it was Dana's idea at some point, you know, him and the WWE haven't, you know, he has a relationship with Vince McMahon sort of like he does with Trump. You know, it benefits him to rub elbows with people like that. It benefited him as he was coming up for sure. And now he's one of those guys, you know. So, but I I, I think he will um, maintain some deference towards Vince McMahon there. So, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think the egos will be a problem over there you know, you know, with this. Not, not until McMahon leaves and then there's a fight for who, who gets that spot. Do you think this is going to, because UFC kind of made it try to look like they were buying WWE, at least from Dana's statements and stuff. So there is a little bit of ego there, I think. But do you think this is something where Endeavor is going to try to swallow up combat sports by, like you say, the flow grappling way, you know, bring this entity in, this entity in? If, they could, if in the next six to nine months, they announced that they bought I, I wouldn't go with Premier Boxing Champions if that entity still exists, only because I don't know what kind of historic library they have. But that would be a good roster to have. And like you said, maybe you get a roster, you get the PBC and Top Rank, and everybody else in boxing is just watching you. You know? Um, it could be, they could be thinking that way. And again, this is that cookie cutter thing of like, well, combat sports, it's all the same. And, you know, people like one, they'll like the other. And that's not the case. And, you know, that that's proven to not be the case. It starts at the core of, you know, when they're not mixed martial artists, they are a stand-up guy and, and that's what they practice or a ground guy. And is there nuances? Some people don't like one or the other. But they're mishmashing everything together and just gonna force it all down our throat. And you you gotta find what you want, you know. So I I like I said, I don't I don't think it's a great thing to have one entity in power of everything. 
Um, and, and they're counting on the audience not knowing. So, you know, I don't want to say fake fights and things like that in the UFC. I don't think there's a need to do that. But if there were, this is, you know, they, they, they feel they can do anything they want. So who knows, you know, who knows what their true intent is. But what happens if, you know, when Sergei Pavlovich, let's say he beats Curtis Blades, which I guess I've been disrespectful to Curtis Blades too. Um, you know, obviously Blades is a favorite in the fight anyway. So, but let's say Pavlovich beats Blades badly and gets the John Jones fight. Are they going to want to make sure that John Jones wins and that Pavlovich, you know, doesn't become the face of the company being foreign and this and that and the other stuff? You know, the, the, that becomes a real dilemma because now they've got the resources and the power to do stuff like that. But I don't think we're far from that. But I do think I do think we're seeing a power move here. And I think that the, that combat sports reach and then someone like Flo Grappling is sitting there and they've got this network with you know, all kinds of outlets and stuff like that. And they come to Flow Grappling and say, look, we'll give you a couple million bucks for your library. Those guys will take it. And it may have more value than that. You know, there's some, you know, all the Gordon Ryan stuff is on it. You know what I mean? It's like they, they build, they've been doing the same thing on a smaller level, building up things like that. But that, that's what they do. They're, they're crushing any and all competition. Yeah, and that's what I think is interesting is that, uh, you know, they could say we got the biggest pro wrestling entity, we got the biggest MMA entity, maybe they bring in the boxing entity, and now they can just kill off everybody. Yeah, and, and now I'll tie this into one of our previous podcasts here. So if you look at storylines in the WWE, because that's really what the WWE does, right? Is they invest you in a story, whether they crush you with it in a month or two months worth of time, and then hit you with the feud, or it's extended, right? So even 20 years ago, the WWE had a, a disrespectful moment with a guy who's a Hall of Famer named Dusty Rhodes. You know, they made him dress up in his old age and fight still with polka dots and just this crazy character. And Dusty did what a superstar does, he, he did the most, the best with it, right? But he was disrespected, and he passed away. And his son, Cody, who's a phenomenal up-and-comer, leaves WWE, bitter, goes and forms a rival company, AEW, along with a bunch of independent wrestlers and, you know, a billionaires, you know, who also owns a football team. And Cody was... The face of the company, you know, and he put over other guys and he did all the pro wrestling work and all the right work, things he had to do. And then he went back to WWE. And I think that that's the all-encompassing thing. What if one of the boxing libraries that we're talking about now and one of the boxing contract sets that we're talking about, we haven't mentioned it, but what if it was Matchroom? How's Ngannou going to fight Tyson Fury now? What if, what if they bought Matchroom and PBS? Because they can. How's he going to fight Deontay Wilder now? So, yeah, there's a, mon a monopolizing at a level 
that, you know, we're in the 21st century and it's at the 21st you know, century level. They're way ahead of everybody here. But that is actually a frightening proposition. If with $20 billion, if they can add boxing libraries to that, let's say, they, you know, these combination things, somebody offer Bob a chair right next to Vince. You know, with Dana on a podium, you know, half a step down with Khan and, and some of the other, you know, maybe Hunter there. But you you sit Bob Arum at 90, just get his library from him. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the level of thinking that's going on. If they're satisfied with what they have now, it's already huge. It's already huge. But I, I don't think that, that this is the end of it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, there's so much that could grow off of it. You know, because these are two guys, Vince McMahon, who's pretty much swallowed wrestling for a long time. Now, I know AEW's out there, WCW's out there for a while, but mostly he's swallowed the industry. Dana White has swallowed the MMA industry, even though there's other organizations. He's pretty much swallowed it. So you got these two guys who know how to, you know, swallow everything. And then you got Endeavor, who's, you know, kind of like the, the money vehicle behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this could... And really, in the, in the five years that they've had the company or whatever, in no way have they defined themselves as, as having, like, the greater good of the sport or a philosophical edge or anything like that. It has been strictly a money grab. And they, have, they haven't had any shame about it at all. And, I, you know, more power to them. But, again, at, at some point, people people already... From you know, there are many, many people who watched UFCs in the early days that no longer watch it. Uh, it doesn't compare to the mainstream people, and nobody gives a crap. Mm-hmm. But you will you lose people with the with with stuff like this, and I think that there are people now, you know, that you know maybe were born this century still, you know, young people, but that they're expert on the UFC that they watch. You know, they know all John Jones's career and, you know, Gilbert Burns and these guys and, and, and every and all these guys could be all these guys have young fans that follow that stuff and they know what their sport is and they'll know when there's a difference. But if they're replaced, every one of them is replaced by two people watching who doesn't know and just wants to woo in a bar, you know, like. Like the slap fighting was so it moved people in bars and stuff. That's really what they care about. It's like in a bar, and that's if that's all you can get. But you can get two people to do that instead of one who actually knows the sport and is watching and cares. They'll take the two, and that's what we're looking at here. the 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 lines are going to be watered down between the products. What does this mean for power slap? I I think you were right in our prep. I think that. you know, with this, I think you talk about a lot of successful people there. You know, Vince isn't accustomed to not getting his way. I mean, he's had, you know, ups and downs in the business, but he didn't get to a $9 billion company by not getting his way a lot. You know, Dana is another guy that gets his way. So I think, yeah, Dana brings along. We got Power Slap. We got, I'm bringing Power Slap. You guys go buy the boxing. That's what Dana's probably telling him. And buy me some boxing libraries that we could put under this big umbrella and, you know, and Dana will take over in the boardrooms when, when they're trying to do strategy meetings, 
You know, I think that's what Dana's biding his time and waiting for. Um, you know, he's probably the most creative mind in there. You know, is from you know the completely not you know, completely unqualified to make that statement, but you know, uh, I see Vince is old. I see Bob Arum is old. If you know he were to be a player, and I see Endeavor as uh, stick figures in an office because they have not defined themselves in any way philosophically. Dane is the guy who carries all that. I think they've done a good job of leaving the product alone for the most part. Endeavor. I got to give him credit for that. Cause when you look at like a uh, Viacom, when they bought Bellator, they just screwed it up in my opinion, you know, and Endeavor to their credit, hasn't monkeyed with the product too much. Maybe behind the scenes, they've given some direction. Because I think Dana White's Contender Series has actually grown under Endeavor. It's almost like the feeder league for the UFC now. That wasn't always the case. And I would say, you know, the Saturday night show has become just a... That's what it is. Every Saturday night, you have a UFC event almost. That wasn't the case before they came along. So I think maybe they've done some things behind the scenes to maybe tighten everything up a little bit. <clears throat> Dana had them on that path. They would have gotten there. They maybe wouldn't have gotten there as fast. But I, I, I think what these guys have done is um, on a corporate level, like I, I don't know what the Venom deal was or, and the clothing and that sort of stuff. But I think that's where they, um, you know, come in and do that. I think, for example, um, the Meta, that clothes show with Meta that they did, I think that's Endeavor working, you know, at a corporate level with another billion dollar entity there. And that's how they do things. Um, so, yeah, I think that they're looking, they're looking to be movers this way. And that is play amongst their peers. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting time. I think it's great for people like us that talk about the sport even, you know, cause it's, it's getting bigger, not smaller. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, look, you know, I, I I did a little bit of research and going back in the old days, even at the 1860s, 1870s, you know, the four quarters or five corners in, in New York City, those bars, you know, there were bars there that specialized in boxing and, and wrestling. They And at some point they separated the two where like boxing on Tuesdays and, you know, wrestling on Thursdays. And that's where you start seeing a mix, you know, but those guys were all, you know, the wrestlers thought they were the toughest guys and the boxers thought they were the toughest guys. You know, who knows, a few years back, in, you know, in the dark ages kind of thing, in the, of the early 1800s, those guys probably fought with very little rules to determine who were the tough guys. No media, no photographs, just a bunch of guys in a circle figuring things out. And that's still, you know, that's the instinctual part of it that appeals to everybody. You know, but by, by the time you're in the bars, the wrestlers were different than the boxers and they were starting to separate them. The wrestlers were in those games as far as the toughest guys in the world, along with Jack Johnson and those guys. Some of those wrestlers, Hackenschmidt, even Carl, uh, Frank Gotch, the originals from the turn of the century, those guys had boxing records. You know, there's also stories and, uh, you know, word that they boxed a lot more than we know under fake names because, you know, people wouldn't box 
George Hackenschmidt in 1908. There's a reason for that. You know, this guy was in the conversation as one of the toughest guys in the world. So I think that's the essential question here. And I think here we're going to, we're, we're not getting to that question. We're not getting to the answer, the essential answer that every generation needs to know. I think that they're blurring the lines and that's what I don't like about it. Well, we haven't seen yet, but there is the possibility of that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, there's something about when a UFC fighter said, yeah, I'm never doing WWE because that crap is fake. And now they're contractually going to be unable to even say that if that's their opinion. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, so you, you tell me. Is they're going to have to put over the, the WWE fighters as tough guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I oh we did this, you know, and that and whatever. And, but yeah, they if not, the best thing would be to keep them separate, you know. And maybe they can run like I, I think you mentioned. Eric Bischoff said, you know, there's not you you you're not going to be successful in thinking that guy you know, that too many. Maybe Daniel Cormier will be a pro wrestler. You know, maybe one or two guys will go over and have successful careers. You know, Kane with a mask. You know, before all his problems and stuff, he had tried it. Um, he got actually to wrestle Brock Lesnar in the WWE at a special event in Saudi Arabia. But those guys are few and far between, and the WWE didn't look much at Kane afterwards. So, you know, there are levels to that game, too. I mean, if you actually watch what those guys do, you you can't not respect it, especially nowadays where it's, it's not the luthies wrestling of the 50s where it was basically groundwork where you'd be you know tying up your legs and leg locks and moving back and forth and keeping control on a, a purest wrestling and luthies was like you know uh known as a shooter too you know like a guy that maintained like a real like he could show you what the real moves were too and some of those traditions were kept through those guys that were also acting in pro wrestling, but now it's got you got to be able to be high flying and some of the things that they do, you know, to have to repeat hundred times in a year, you know, drops and falls and things like that. There's no doubt they're tough, but I've used the word tough wrongly here. I think I think the question really is is who's yeah tough tough is a, a a cover word for really what we want to know is who's the most skilled fighter in the world. And I think that that goes back to Greek times. That's the question. Who is the most skilled combat person in the world? And again, this does the WWE's involvement because they, they never had, you know, I think they did a boxing kind of exhibition one time with Bobby Gunn and Dr. Death Steve Williams was in it. Who's yeah, bra for all. Yep. And that crap, you know, you see how long that lasts on their radar. They, they, they want no real part of reality, you know? Yeah, a lot of guys got hurt and, you know. And they, they weren't, they're not trained for that, you know? So it looks like what it looks like because they weren't, you know, they're not trained to go out and box. And, you know, some of them had it in their background. Like I said, Dr. Death, who did was expected to win the whole thing, Steve Williams, you know, you ask 
wrestlers from Oklahoma and guys about Steve Williams and his pedigree. And you have no doubt the guy's in the conversation as a tough guy. But his skill set would prevent him from beating the elite UFC guys right now. So, you know, I, I don't like the lines being blurred. I don't, I don't like the lines being blurred. So that's my take from all this. But I, And I think it's a bigger move that the boxing is, in the next nine months, if they don't have a boxing entity under there, then they haven't done what they thought they were going to do, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to leave it on. It's an exciting thing, though, in my opinion, just to see what happens. Yeah. Well, 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 what can we do but watch it, you know? Right. So, all right. But, uh, thank you. Yeah, There's again, Miguel, I want to thank Tom for sharing your opinion. And for everybody who checks out the MMA Conspiracy Hour, thanks for the support. And until uh, next time, take care. Right, so I want to thank all of you for checking out these episodes and supporting this uh, podcast. Now, I know I don't put these out in real time. If you want to catch these episodes in real time, you can do so at my YouTube, which is Todd Atkins Show. And uh, please subscribe there. And if you like this podcast, share it with some people. Subscribe to it. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to get out more episodes here soon. So as always, I appreciate all the support. And thanks, guys, and take care.